Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit PayPal.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. This is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk with the savviest performers I know, to hear their stories, and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. Today's guest artist has appeared in the international tour of Zorro the Musical, the 10-time Tony Award-winning Broadway hit Billy Elliot, both in Chicago and the first national tour, as well as playing the lead in Homo the Musical at The Wild Project. Other credits include Miss Saigon, Les Miserables, Bye Bye Birdie, Sideshow, Pirates of Penzance, Girl Crazy, Measure for Measure, Seven Brides with Seven Brothers, and many others. In addition to performing, he is an author, artist, and community activist. His illustrative work and paintings have been used as set projections at the New York City Opera, the Coterie Opera, and are in private collections. He is also a voiceover artist and an associate casting director with Alison Frank Casting. Obviously, I'm talking about Ryan Bauer Walsh. Ryan Bauer Walsh, thanks for being on my show. Hi, Joey. How's it going, man? It's going really well. Do you get your, your bio read to you very often? No, that was, that was really interesting. I should probably cut some of that. <laughs> I actually cut it a little bit. Oh, so. wow, yeah. Oh, goodness. That's really funny. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so nice to meet you. It's nice to be here and finally meet you. Yeah. This is so funny. It's right? a very small world, apparently. Super, I know, right? <laughs> um, I, Ryan was brought to my attention by our mutual friend, Melissa McCamey. Yes. who you just did Les Mis with at North Shore. Absolutely. Is that right? Yeah. How she was that? Is, she's the sweetest. That was, well, North Shore is a, in the round. Yeah. Uh, Les Mis in the round is a very different show. I would imagine. <laughs> How many times have you done Les Mis? Uh, that was my first. Uh, but my second is coming up, which will be at Malt's Jupiter Theater uh, starting sometime in March. Nice. So I head down just after Valentine's Day. But yeah, no, it was interesting to do that at uh, North Shore just because I, immediately everyone thinks, well, where does the barricade go? Yeah. And they hung it uh, as a non-literal thing in the air throughout one side of the theater. Oh, interesting. It was very, very cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Um, Ryan, I, I just, there's, I, I, I know nothing about you, so I want to, <laughs> <laughs> so where, where are you from? I grew up in uh, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, just outside, halfway between corn, halfway between the city, uh, very, very normal neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> on a lake, naturally. Did you go to college there? Or? No, I went to the Hart School in Connecticut. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And what did you... I studied major? musical theater there. Okay, naturally. Great. Naturally, yes. didn't we all? Yeah. Um, and so, so in, in addition to being an, an incredible performer, which you're all about to hear uh, later in the episode, but you, you're also, um, what do you call yourself, like a, a visual artist, or...? I mean, it, it's just... it started out because I, I liked to paint, and uh, yeah. I just got a bunch of canvas and I started painting, and then uh, actually, Donalyn Champlin... Donalyn. Yes, whom I love and I've worked with at Goodspeed in Element of P, uh, she bought one of my paintings, and I posted that I had sold a painting, and suddenly I was selling paintings every month. And I started making my rent, selling some paintings. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It's been really cool, and it was kind of. It's kind of the perfect thing for an actor, because I mean, half the time that you're not in rehearsal or performing, you're just I don't know, eating smoothies. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> so I had a lot of free time that I needed to use up, and I really like painting. And uh, yeah, it's turned into a couple other things also now. Where so. did Where did painting come from? Like, do you have uh, painters in your family? No, or? I mean, I was. I mean, my mother is a kind of artistic, but. Uh, I just was that child. I liked to play my sandbox. I did pottery classes. I used to kind of teach pottery. And uh, just kind of came out of that. 
Wow. Yeah. Did you ever think about going to college for that? No, I actually thought about going to college for architectural engineering. What? And I took a, a year of AP architectural engineering in high school and realized that math and I were not great friends. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe architectural design should have been yeah, something. Maybe not but... so much. Yeah. <laughs> How do these two art forms complement each other? Like, um, well, they've well, first of yeah. all, they've been uh, like mutually beneficial in some yeah. aspects. Where I sang with uh, Royce Fabric and the Coterie Opera, mm-hmm. whom, and Royce is fantastic. Yes, Royce His music is, great. is so smart, and uh, he found out that I I had this idea of becoming an illustrator and a painter, and that I enjoyed it. And he commissioned me to do that for him, and suddenly I was doing set projections for the Coterie Opera, and they were shown at New York City Opera, and. It just work begets work. Uh, yeah. I started out by not charging anything, and that's how I I would charge for materials. Yep, and then I saw that on your website. And yeah, and so everybody can afford you know thirty bucks of something. Yeah, <laughs> so I grew my portfolio that way, and it's uh, it's been great. And then also, just as an artist, it's kind of fulfilling to have uh, two different aspects of a career. Yeah, because yeah. you know everything it can become intense being in the performing arts sometimes, and you need a little break. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it's I'm sure it's a lot of. Um, not necessarily putting all your eggs in one basket. Does that? Uh, no, I, I think way? I think that also when the recession bottomed out in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. the Zorro tour, uh, we were left in Shanghai. Uh, this is something that I, I've talked about with a couple of people, and some people know about it. Yeah, what? but we uh, apparently one of the primary investors sued the the Israeli producers for some kind of creative control. It was all very messy and hazy, but bottom line, we didn't get paid for any of our time in Shanghai. We only got a rehearsal stipend fee, and uh, my dad, who works for Delta, had to fly me home. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was was interesting. So after that, in, in 2008, where all the shows kind of closed in, I think it was 14 in one month, uh, I just had to kind of diversify, and I am a terrible waiter. (laughs) <laughs> I've been fired from every job where I've tried to be a waiter, so I figured I needed to t- probably just stick to the arts. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. How do these two art forms um, influence each other? I feel like when I am in a show, a lot of my emotional energy ends up going to a specific place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get out of there, usually, I mean, we eat late. It's 11.30 midnight when we get to have dinner. Yeah. When I wake up, I don't want to be in that same emotional place. And so sometimes it helps to be able to paint to kind of take me somewhere else, um, depending on what I'm doing. I mean, uh, if it's neon art or something with, like, bright orange trees, that's a very different place than doing Les Mis or Miss Saigon or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Do you bring your, your art supplies with you wherever you go? Uh, I bring a small kit with me. I have, a, okay. I have a little kit with a small easel. And so I'm hoping that when that's I go cute. to Florida, I can... I don't know, do some sunsets or dolphins or something. <laughs> or dolphins couple. and sunsets. <laughs> yes. Just go for it. <laughs> Who are your influences? Oh, uh, gosh, uh, Young Klimt, before he went to therapy. <laughs> uh, apparently, this is, I think I read this somewhere that uh, his art became a little more domesticated after he solved some of his emotional problems. Okay. <laughs> and so I like the stuff where he's a little little messy still. But, uh... Are you saying you have emotional problems? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the arts. It's, it's definitely therapeutic, <laughs> like we said. But uh, I, no, I think that his art is beautiful because it, it everything kind of wraps around in this... I don't know, it's, it's like patterns, mm-hmm. but they're surrounding emotional ideas. Like The Kiss, mm-hmm. which is a primary example of that. Like I was reminded of... Uh, do you know Brian Froud? I don't. He um, he's kind of he was the I guess con- like art designer for 
like the Dark Crystal and Labyrinth oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Well, I mean, Gory was somebody it. I've always kind of mm. looked to also. There you go. Um, and when I worked with Black Ink, those were the ones that kind of inspired the New York City and Coterie Opera designs. Yeah, yeah. Because um, those are those were very, very dark pieces. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and uh, I definitely wanted to go in that direction. And uh, so I guess, yeah, in, in addition to Klimt, yeah. something a little darker. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you would market yourself? You know, Reinbauer Walsh, artist... Something a little uh, uh, macabre. <laughs> uh, I mean, the the series of children's books I'm working on right now of my own are uh, not for children. Children's books. So nice. something you know, because I think that you know, children should have something a little more than just happy endings. I agree. We need to have some reality. Yeah. <laughs> Let's grow these kids up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but who are your influences? Because I want to talk about both sides of your career, and sure. and you have your prism really. But as a performer, I've never been called a prison before. You've never been called a prison? That's fantastic. Yeah, there you go. Can you quote Put that me? on your pocket. <laughs> I'll be right next to the Pete Mills quotes. Yeah. Like, Joel's like, you're a prison. <laughs> um, so I want to, as, as a performer, who are your influences? Uh, well, I was saying when we were, we were singing a little bit before, yeah. uh, the first musical I saw was Showboat. And I wanted to be Gaylord Ravenel. I wanted to sing Make Believe and You Are Love and this soaring tenor material. I wanted to have that big voice. Mm-hmm. And so immediately I got into voice lessons with uh, Jane Anderson, Dale Cruz, uh, Marcy Hagen, and they all worked with like the Minnesota Opera. And they were uh, through my high school and stuff. And I, I, I got to sing big things and learn all of my opera rep, but I never grew to be six foot two. Yeah, how tall are you? I'm <laughs> five and a couple okay. quarters. Okay. okay. But uh, it depends on my, I guess, the pair of boots I wear. I'm as tall as you want. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm definitely not like Gaylord Ravenel height. So okay. I sing tall, but I'm not. <laughs> but uh, so definitely uh, the more legitimate like musical theater pieces were a big influence on me. Yeah. And uh, as I got older, I started to really get into like alternative rock and, and you know, I, ironically, I loved like the Lunar Chicks and the Cranberries, and then I ended up getting to work with uh, Gina Volpe and Lola Rock and Rolla when I did Home of the Musical, mm-hmm. um, and that was all rock belting, and it was crazy, and nice. that was a totally different part of my voice that I ever got to play with till like a couple years ago. You do a lot of I, I noticed on your on your bio on your resume you do a lot of new work as well. Yeah. That, how did you stumble into that? Um, well, like I said, uh, because I I'm a, a short person who sings tall, let's put it that way. Um, I think that I fit into a lot of unique things that aren't always in the musical theater compendium, let's say. Um, So, like, when I worked with uh, Pete and Cara from the Prospect Theater Company, it was the perfect role. It was, like, uh, character principal and all legitimate singing, and it was it was beautiful, but for the most part, I I can't think of a lot of places that I've often fit um, unless I'm in a pair of stilts, so... (laughs) So, but and I also like new work because it gives you this uh, breadth of freedom to create. Like, uh, especially working with you, just yeah. on this last piece we just did, um, you get to you get to mold and yeah, you put your stamp on it, and you yeah, definitely. And I also really love that part of the process. Mm-hmm. It's more fun for me to do that than to actually perform. Sometimes I love rehearsal; it's my favorite thing. Um, some nerdy questions: How, as a painter, how how do you approach? The canvas is that um, like how long does a project take? How similar is creating a piece of art to creating a character? Um, oh, that's a really good question. At this point, well, first of all, I'm a colorblind person. I really <laughs> yes. So uh, 
when I'm commissioned, I usually sketch digitally, and it might be black or white, it might be what I think is a color scheme, but I have to kind of start with color and my idea of what that is for me, which is, I have no idea what my art like looks, looks like to anybody else. Wow. Um, my, the colors I confuse are pink and gray, uh, blue, black, and purple, and green and brown. And okay. the, that's a wide range of colors, uh, and it's it's the shades where they're close that are confusing under different light. Hmm. So when I come to a painting, I usually start like actually with color, um, and kind of with the song. I, that was the the question I kept asking: What color is this? Which is ironic because it might not be what the, <laughs> the same. Thing I say thing. pink, and you think I'm in gray. Yeah, that's so yeah. sad. Pink. That's so sad. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so so I start with that, and then I kind of think about: Well, is this going to be something that has organic lines? Things that wind? Is it smooth? Uh, how would it feel? How would it sound? And uh, is it crunchy? And uh, then I go through and I, I start to just outline things. I don't usually sketch on the canvas with pencil first. Uh, I usually just get right down to it with uh, I sketch in white if I do anything huh. with white paint. You said you sketch digitally first. What does uh, that mean? That like? means well, when I have a commission, I sit down with the yeah. clients and I take my iPad and I will uh, sketch out the ideas that we want uh, for the painting. I mean, first of all, we start with the size of the canvas. Uh, we go to their mm -hmm. house. We look at the walls. We look at uh, whatever's in the room mm -hmm. as far as color schemes to make sure it's going to match anyway. And people want lots of different styles. <laughs> do you have a lot of input there, or are they, do oh. people often just have something very specific in mind, and you just kind of do what they tell you? I mean, as an artist, no matter what they're going to ask me to do, it's going to come through me as a person. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I really, I really like to think about what they want, because it's more fun for me. Yeah. I like to channel that idea of what they want. Um, and no matter what, it's going to come out kind of colorblind anyway. But, uh, <laughs> uh, like, I did the first uh, openly gay mayor in Minnesota's portrait, and I did it all in shades of uh, green for the background, and then I yeah. used rainbow colors for his entire face because it was the easiest way for me to think, yeah. okay, I paint in terms of uh, light and dark. Yeah. So I can use that spectrum to kind of do it, but uh, I never know exactly what's going to happen until I get to the end and realize that I feel very content. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like composing a little bit. You, you go... Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think so. I'm good. You listen to it a couple of times, and you're like, yep, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I can be proud of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you do a lot of painting for yourself, or is it... Yes. Uh, I don't have a lot of time these days. I'm, I'm doing a, a couple of different things. I know. And a lot of it's focused right now on illustrating uh, in my free time, which is great. Uh, but I used to paint a lot more for myself, and I have my personal, like, paintings at my house that I keep. Yeah. My apartment, <laughs> I always, I say it looks like a sassy old wizard lives there. It's, <laughs> it's covered in paintings and I have old books. <laughs> There's curtains hung every, every five feet. Um, but yeah, so I keep those at home and I'm always, <laughs> I'm always trying to like paw off a few on people like, maybe you want that one, huh? It's free. <laughs> what's your, what's your favorite work you've ever done? Honestly, I think it might be the painting I did for, uh, that Donald and Champlin bought. Uh, which one it's, was that? It's an African tree. It's about four and a half, five feet tall. I saw that one. And it's, it's orange. On website, and it's, right? uh, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I, I just, I like how clean it is. It's super clean. It looked like a photo. Like, it looks like a photograph. Oh, thank you. That, that, I think that's also something that I kind of like, is because a lot of my stuff is so surreal that it was kind mm -hmm. of nice to do something that met both qualities of that. Yeah. It's a surrealist environment that actually is occurring, and it is painted from a photograph, so... It is my favorite painting, and I'm really proud to have uh, Donna have that work. So. Yeah, it's stunning. I liked Autumn was my favorite. Autumn? Oh, the, like the blue Autumn and the white? One. No, the... Um, um, the trees that... The trees, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's most people's favorite. Is it the square one, right? I, th I think so. Yeah, is yeah, the blue it's background? Called, it's like... Um, 
Oh wait, is it the tunnel? The tunnel. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that no, I, I love that. Well, actually, if you want that, that is in my house above my desk. <laughs> and ironically, uh, that is one of the paintings that I got. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> I go I go to the dollar store sometime, and they have uh, religious paintings that are on actual canvas. They're prints, uh-huh. but they're like $15, and a lot of them are damaged, so I get them for like 8 <laughs> So you just so like... So on the back side of that is a picture of... Uh, Jesus and Mary with some doves. Hey, hey. <laughs> and if you hold it up to the light, you can still see it. Really? Yeah. yeah. But it's the best deal because it comes with a frame. <laughs> the frame was no joke. I was like, I was Absolutely. like that's, a, that's a very classy looking frame. <laughs> hey, that's what? A, I, 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 we, can, we can talk about <laughs> we'll that. We'll talk about Absolutely. that later. <laughs> Yay. Um, man, I'm getting so much out of this interview. <laughs> but I didn't know I was going to... So how long does a project like that... Let's talk about... Um, it's like the one that Donna has. How mm-hmm. long did that take you to do? That one, because there, there were a lot of layers of, fast. of color in it. I do usually work pretty fast. Um, the, the mayor's portrait took like a month because that is, proportion is so different when you're really trying to match reality and then mm-hmm. kind of put an impressionist brush over yeah, yeah. perfect proportion. Uh, with something like a trees, which is the subject of a lot of things I paint, mm-hmm. you have a lot more freedom because you're just trying to follow what, what is the most logical way for a tree to grow structurally. And so it's all about figuring out, well, tapering and figuring out what things can actually support weight-wise. And then you find that balance as you kind of pull it out through the canvas. And I feel like that's something that comes kind of naturally to me as a spatially aware person, hopefully. <laughs> I, did, I did dance for a few years. And um, so that, that can kind of go quickly because you're just following line and logic as far as how my, my brain handles it. Mm. Um, but something like that portrait will take a month, maybe even a month and a half, okay. um, whereas it can take three or four days for some paintings. What's the hardest thing for you to draw that you still are working on? Oh, absolutely, portraiture. It's, it's just yeah. difficult. Because in addition to capturing what something is, you're trying to show people what that something is feels like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, you're trying to draw, you're trying to draw something internal. Well, and you uh, the eyes are impossible, the mouths are impossible because the slightest change of line, and suddenly they they're incredibly enraged, or they're like <laughs> they're thrilled to be there, and you're painting, and and it's it's fun, but it's also I mean I, I don't envy God's job. <laughs> <laughs> On Friday, April 24th, for the first time ever, I'll be singing and playing an entire evening of my original songs at the piano, with a teeny tiny band and a surprise guest or two. Interspersed with my bantering about the moments of my own life that helped coax these songs into being. Directed by Justin Daniel, we'll be at the Intimate Duplex Cabaret and Piano Bar in New York, Friday, April 24th at 9.30pm. Tickets are $12 in advance, 15 at the door, plus a two-drink minimum. This concert will not be airing in its entirety on something new, so please reserve your seats now at purplepass.com slash joelbnew. I hope to see you all there. Are there there any similarities when you sit down to create a piece of art and when you sit down to start creating a character? Um, absolutely. What what kind of questions, I guess, uh, what kind of questions do you ask yourself in both scenarios? When I am creating a character, I think about what that person wants. I think we, as actors, always have to consider the psychology behind why something is the way it is. Um, if I'm painting from a photograph, it's a, it's a lot more 
uh, you know, this is what it is, yeah. as opposed to creating from nothing, especially, which is why I like the new pieces so much, um, you get to consider the options of what the most accurate situation could be. So when I'm painting an Impressionist painting that's three panels and, like, using silver leaf and purple, uh, I, I get to say to myself, okay, I want to make this the most joyous thing, but I want to hide secrets in it. And I think mm. that with a lot of uh, the characters I play that are more happy in, that's the, that's the thing I like to look for is what secrets do they have? Mm-hmm. What kind of places can I hide inside this character that I can let the audience think they understand or like maybe suggest to them? Um, like and then I, again, uh, following the logic of how structure works, I work from the bottom up to see what supports the next level until it tapers off into those things and, and they can grow from there. But uh, you get to the ends where the little buds are on a tree and you know it's not open yet. And those are the other things I like to tease people with with characters is just the idea of what's to come uh, as opposed to what's happened. And those are the secrets I like to hide in the past. Okay. So there's similar things in each thing, but definitely, uh, definitely compatible ideas. Yeah. I would say even when we uh, worked on and recorded the song today, mm-hmm. you know, it was... It was you know, to get dorky for a second, it definitely, it definitely felt like. <laughs> now we're gonna get dorky. <laughs> get dorky, dorky at this point. I felt like it was almost, it was almost like watching a painter work on a song because we talked wow. about, we talked about colors and we talked about um, like different strokes and we'll you know straight tone here and sh- and mm-hmm. move it here and you know we talked about lilts and calls and things like that. It was just, it was very much like a lot of different like paintbrushes in a way. Oh. I, um, well, maybe from an I, I I see other performers and how they work, and I don't know if I'm significantly different from any of them necessarily. I know that I've been told um, that I am I get a bit handsy, <laughs> uh, not not like grabby, but uh, I, I tend to conduct myself, and I find that I am making brush strokes when I sing. And I, I wonder if you picked up on the fact that like there were certain things where I would kind of just swath across the room. Hey. No, uh, but um, that's just nerdy Ryan. Whatever, whatever gets those myself. T- whatever gets those gorgeous tones out. I mean, <laughs> I don't care what you do. <laughs> you know, I've I've seen like with a lot of gospel artists, they definitely have. It's almost it reminds me of Soulfish, honestly. Yeah. It's like, but like each little flip and trick has sort of a movement that is their own way of communicating that and kind of reminding themselves to do it. Yeah. And I maybe I have some of that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that cool. <laughs> I think you're pretty cool. Thank you. Especially because you just mentioned Soulfish. Hey. <laughs> love my ear training and heart. Hell yeah. <laughs> You've been featured by the Quillery Opera as both a performer and an artist. Uh, does does it happen a lot? Like, how do people usually know you first? Uh, I think at this point I'm known as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, the painting thing is kind of like one of those unique things that comes along with this package of whatever yeah. I do. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm, well, probably known as a screaming tenor is what I usually hear. Oh, you're that, you're that guy that screams. Yeah. <laughs> screaming tenor Ryan. Yeah, I know you. It's catchy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, got, it's got a nice, nice ring to it. Nom de plume, sobriquet. <laughs> would you, um, how would you feel if someone, like, introduced you, like, oh, this is, this is Ryan, he's a painter, and he also sings? Uh, it depends. They hire me for a book. Or something. Then, there you go. All right. <laughs> um... I don't know. I mean, my ultimate goal, of course, is to continue working as an actor and yeah. do it till I am a sassy old wizard. But, uh, I, you know, someday, someday, I, I hope to be able to make all of my money doing one thing. But And, you know, you don't want to make all of your 
hobbies into your work because sometimes it takes the fun out of it. I, I agree. Um, but at this point, I couldn't feel more blessed to be able to make all of my money doing the things that I like best. That's really I just nice. hope that for the long run, I don't have to do that for everything. I want to. I want to keep some of those for myself. Yeah. So, do you think when you turn to uh, painting or illustrating, that that allows you to keep some joy in your performing? Oh, of course. Um, you know, I, d I do a couple of different things with you know casting. I have a marketing position that I have right now, yeah. and so anytime I'm doing something other than theater, it makes theater like a stress reliever. When you get to do Les Mis and you get to, you know, just scream, like, beautiful high notes and cry on stage, it's cathartic. And it, yeah. it becomes a, a joyful thing as opposed to stressful. And uh, the only time I get stressed as a performer now is when I'm not doing other things uh, besides performing. So it, it really helps me to have a lot going on because I think I... I think I love to multitask, but I also think maybe there's maybe a small amount of ADD in there. <laughs> a hidden <laughs> gift. <laughs> Which probably describes most of uh, us. Hopefully. <laughs> I've had so many people on this show who also um, label themselves as, act as activists, and so I'm, I'm curious, why do you think so many artists feel this call to like help the community through something other than being on a stage? I think that a lot of artists have felt discriminated against at one point or another. Uh, and I think that um, being told no, uh, either as a, a gay person or due to your race or just being told what you're supposed to be in general, can really provoke you. <laughs> and hopefully if you're the kind of person that that will provoke positive change. Mm. And I think that a lot of us really want to have an influence on that. I think as an actor especially... Uh, I know that I, I prefer to do pieces that have uh, historical importance, that are cathartic for people, that help change people. I wish I could do more performances that felt like activism. Um, but uh, instead, I, I've worked with uh, human rights organizations for equal rights for LGBT communities. I run two neighborhood associations online, and I run my alumni association, and I'm also working to illustrate... Uh, well, I, I just published my first book, Congratulations. Um, and a portion of the proceeds will go to the largest no-kill shelter in the United States, wow. uh, North Shore. So uh, those are those are my areas where I kind of like to put my efforts right now. But, you know, we work with the Trevor Project also with uh, It Gets Better. And uh, I, I don't know. It's also very fulfilling. Whenever I have a, a sad day, my mom says, you should volunteer. Oh, <laughs> and I take that to mom. heart. I definitely do. So. Yeah. <laughs> she's not from New Jersey either. I don't know why, I don't know why she, she sounds has that like accent. That. Yeah. She's actually Minnesotan. It's very different. <laughs> <laughs> my my podcast is uh, I like talking to people about these different things that they're doing at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, because I know when I was younger, people would say, you know, if you if you can do something else, you probably should go do that instead. And so, um, <clears throat> were you ever at a crossroads where you felt like you were being asked to choose only one creative path or? Or within yourself, even. You know, a lot of people always told me that you have to focus on one thing. And I didn't like that. It's yeah. another one of those things yeah. where when I'm being told no is when I, <laughs> I, I don't get angry. I get super productive. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of took a year to consider when I was uh, 28 after the whole Zorro thing happened. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I lost a lot of money. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so I told a cruise ship company that I had my own show, and uh, they... Did you? 
I, I wrote one with uh, Mark Hartman in about, uh, I think, two weeks or something. And I flew out to France, and I started doing a, a cruise ship uh, with uh, Choosy Productions. And, and they had, like, six shows that we did, and then I was supposed to do uh, this other show that I did. But it was, it was make-it-work time, and it was that moment where I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving theater. I'm way too invested at this point. I, and also, I love it too much to say no. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm in it to win it, I, I, I guess. I don't know. Other, <laughs> other cheap phrases. But, uh, no, uh, and so... When that m- money became so important, I knew I was going to get fired if I became a waiter. <laughs> so I I did everything I could and just looked for people who were going to say yes to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I showed everybody what I had. I was like, look, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that. If you can put me in a place where I can get a paycheck for it, I am ready to start making some money so I can stabilize. I think that's the big question for a lot of performers is how do I, how do I live in this ridiculously expensive city and also maintain my emotional health and continue auditioning, you know, uh, waking up at 6am. In 2000, I think it was 2008, 2007, after I got my equity card, I, uh, I lost the shows that I had gotten as a non-union actor. So I did 200 and I think it was 60 some auditions in one year and I booked two shows out of that, I think. Wow. And I, I, I kept my planner from that year because I went through and counted and I was like, okay, all right, and I figured if I could do that that year at that age and not quit, then maybe a couple years later, just because I had a little hard luck, uh, maybe I should probably continue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, with definitely a make it work situation. Do you have any advice for those looking to get into painting or anything like that? Painting, um, illustration, illustration, theater. Um, theater, I can speak to the most. Okay. Um, I feel like I was very blessed and lucky with uh, painting becoming something that I get to do. I think that was from the the support of my peers really influenced my capacity to make that into a profession. Whereas with theater, it was out of persistence. And I think that's the one thing people forget is that you have to wake up, you have to go to the audition, you have to show them exactly what you can do, not what you can't, and you have to do it over and over and over until you're done being an actor. That's what you do. And... Um, the nice thing about theater is that theater's about people and everyone's a person. <laughs> and I think that if you really want to pursue it, you have, just have to know what kind of person you are and know where you fit. Write out all the rules you're right for. Um, and it, it will come together for you eventually. And if you fall in love with it, continue. If you fall out of love with it, there's so many other things in the entire world you can do. Yeah. Um, and when I get cranky... I definitely sit down and I write a sad poem and I make a painting and I feel better. (laughs) But um, for artists, it's, again, same story, persistence. Keep making things. Uh, It's like the Martha Graham quote, your only job is to make things. Don't let other people be the ones who judge you and let let them tell you what you're supposed to do. Just make, create, and keep doing it. Um, (laughs) The least favorite artist of mine is Kandinsky. And I think that Kandinsky became famous. He's he's very modern and contemporary kind of uh, style, but I, I don't like the paintings, but because he made so many of them, he basically created his own niche in the arts. And now now it's it's a style, it's a thing. So, and that's one of the things. He didn't let himself be judged. Grandma Moses did not let herself be judged by other people's standards of what good is or what art is. And they became famous. So it's definitely possible. 
So what all do you have on your plate right now? I know you're you're heading to Florida pretty soon. Yeah, I am. Uh, well, I just published that book, uh, Rusty the Rescue, available on Kindle and on Amazon.com. What is that? Um, it's a story of a shelter dog who. It, it's to help children learn that shelter animals are the ones that need to be adopted, as opposed to the animals that are being bred to be for sale, which are mistreated often. Yeah. But uh, we have a, it's the same thing with, you know, there are definitely dogs that need homes. Yeah. Um, I have a rescue dog. Oh, what's yeah. your dog's name? Strider. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Christina's dog is Mooch, and uh, I, I only have a pound puppy. I wasn't allowed to have <laughs> animals growing up. But uh, so it's about, it's about rescue animals, and of course the proceeds go to that. I am doing Rostock the musical, which Don Alden wrote. I'm working on that with Matt Eisenstein. Um, and we'll be doing a performance of that on Monday, just a nice living room read. It's a story about a gay monk uh, in, I think it's the 1600s, and there's a breakout, an outbreak of ergot fungus in the wheat fields around this monastery, and so plot ensues. I see. And it's a rock musical, which is so great. Great, because yeah. I just got to do some, some big sing with you. Yeah. So <laughs> I get to do some screamy singing. I'm excited about that. Excellent. And then Les Mis happens, and... Uh, and where are you doing that? What that's going to be at Mult Stupider Theater uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida. And um, so we didn't even get to touch upon the fact that you, you also do casting. Uh, yeah. Um, how, how did you fall into that? I had... You know, as an actor, I think the most valuable thing you can ever do, um, in addition to being persistent, is to sit on the other side of the table and watch how that how that works. Listen to what they want. Listen to the mm-hmm. casting director. Listen to the directors. You work with Alison Frank. I do. Uh, Alison Frank uh, has brought me in as a reader, and eventually she needed to get somebody in the room a little more full time. Mm-hmm. And so this past season, we were casting uh, a Christmas story, Guys and Dolls, The Grinch. Uh, we just did something for a Disney concert, and uh, it's been incredibly invaluable. And I feel like, as an, an auditioner, I've gotten so much better. I'm so much more relaxed in the room. I I know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I used to always get myself like a big slice of Sicilian pizza after audition, so I had something to look forward to, so I would not think about it. <laughs> um, but now it's it's like a know a free coaching to just walk in see a pianist you know sit down and sing and talk to people who are creative it's it's a wonderful thing to audition i I hope that people can enjoy auditioning i know it's very stressful for a lot of people Mm -hmm. but uh, having cast for uh, a couple of months now it's been extremely refreshing to to be supportive from an actor's perspective in the room as a casting director um, as a casting associate uh, with Allison, and she's great about that. She'll give. She's one of the people that will give you notes. She'll say, "You're maybe not right for this show, this part, but I want to see what you do best because I think you might be right for something else we're casting." And when you're in the room, that's what you want to hear more than anything. Mm-hmm. Is you know that this isn't going to happen, but you know that there's an opportunity, and you know that they are supporting, and everybody wants you to succeed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so important and, to remember. And she's been very, she's been very good to me as a mentor, showing me exactly what the steps are to be um, a, a positive person in the room during casting. Because it is stressful for everybody, and yeah. there are time constraints, and directors want different things than what you often think is best. But uh, you come together on a consensus, and. It, it could be a really fun experience, and I really love being in that room behind the table, seeing what people bring in the room. Sometimes when we have time, I like to administer a, a very random quiz. I love quizzes! You, BuzzFeed's yeah? my favorite. I want to oh know what kind of cheese I am. <laughs> I'm like a unicorn and oh my, cheese. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's perfect. Today's quiz is brought to you by BuzzFeed. 
Um, this question, this is, um, what kind of pizza are you? Uh, by Jordan the Mess. Hey. All right, you have to pick a color, and there are four of them. Coral, mustard, rust, or turquoise. I'm colorblind, so I'm going to go with the one gray. that sounds like food, mustard. <laughs> I'm going to go with gray. Um, where would you rather Where would you rather be right now? Um, oh, no. On a plane to anywhere. Nope, don't like planes. Uh, your bed. Oh. It technically says my bed, but I assume uh-huh. it's oh. so well. Joel. <laughs> um, <laughs> at a party or Chipotle? Chipotle. Obviously <laughs> Chipotle. That's for you, Casey. <laughs> You're at the grocery store and you can buy anything you want. <coughs> what do you choose? Ooh. Produce, french fries, bacon, or candy? I am going to go with candy. Candy, really? I'm a pick and mix person. What about bacon? I, I, I mean, I like pigs. I think they're cute. I don't want to eat them. Okay. Do you um, not eat meat? No, I do. I do. Okay. I just, just, you know, it's, if I get a choice line. between candy and bacon, I'm gonna go with red licorice pinwheels. There's a place down the street called uh, World of Nuts and Ice Cream, and it's a pick and mix. And I usually go and I fill my bag with one of everything. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Good to know. I'm learning so much. Uh, we should have done this. This should have just been the interview. Um, <laughs> how would you describe your personal style? Hmm. Funky fresh, hipster, athletic apparel, or I don't know, whatever's in my closet. Uh, I wish that, like, vintage rag stock was on there. It's like whatever's under $5 and it's from 1975. Uh, I'm in polyester pants right now, so you tell me. <laughs> um, why don't we go... I guess hipster? hipster? Oh, it's so... I know. It's, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, we know what it really means. Non-conformist hipster. How about that? It's the most hipster of all, isn't it? <laughs> 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 and one more question. Sure. And then we're going to find out what kind of pizza you I'm are. so excited because maybe I can get it in Whole Foods after this. Right? <laughs> a stranger trips and falls down on the sidewalk. It's terrible. What do you do? Be honest. Oh. Do you walk by and pretend like you didn't see anything? Do you ask if they're okay? Do you turn away and giggle? Or, while watching the person who fell, you aren't paying attention and run into the lamp pole in front of you. Short story? Yeah. This happens in New York all the time. Yes, it does. I saw a woman fall down a flight of stairs on the subway, and it was the strangest thing because nobody did anything, and I ran down to check on her. And uh, she was she was out, and she must have been like 60 like or 70. She, yeah, she hit her oh head really word. hard. Uh, so I, I helped her, but what I had to do is run back out of the subway station. Uh, I went to the CVS upstairs to get a bag of ice and find a police officer to maybe get a medic because I, she she didn't look so good. Um, I found a police officer and uh, he said he'd call it in. And I was like, you don't want to come with me? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, it's fine. And so I was like, uh, okay, they're on their way. He's like, yeah, yeah, some, somebody will show up soon. And I was like, okay. So I, I got the bag of ice at CVS, put it in like a CVS bag, went back down, and my card, of course, says, just swiped. And uh. so I was like, um, can, can somebody... So give this I opened ice. the emergency exit door. Uh, somebody opened it, and I passed the bag through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back up to see the police officer to check on when the cops were coming. I went back down, and I saw two police officers. And before I came up to them, <laughs> I heard them say, Did you see who opened the emergency exit door? <laughs> and I was like, I, I should probably leave. <laughs> um, and I was like, they, they didn't seem to care that there was a woman on the floor. So I, I <laughs> that's my anecdote. <laughs> I would try to help, but I, I can only do so much if you've just swept your MetroCard. 
That's not an answer. Is that? Uh, yes, yes, I would. Okay. Are they okay? Well, she, she yeah. can't really talk. So yeah, <laughs> I just pat her on the head. All right, are you are you ready for this? I am I so think, ready. I think you're gonna be very pleased. I'm excited. All right, you got candy pizza. Is that? Oh my gosh, candy pizza. Kindness is your strength. <gasps> You put everyone else first. <laughs> That's why you're so sweet. Oh. You know how to treat yourself, which is always important, and your love for color brightens everyone's day. <laughs> I love gray. <laughs> if that's not the most accurate quiz. Oh, that's hysterical. That's really nice. Oh, I haven't had dessert pizza yeah. since I like had Godfathers back in Minnesota. Honestly, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, yeah, it's like frosting and cinnamon on a pizza. Oh. Although candy, maybe I wouldn't call it that. A candy yeah. pizza, yeah. Oh. Huh. Cool. Awesome. I'm thrilled. That yeah. is perfect. Yeah, thank, you, nice. you, thank you, Joel. Thank you. So now is the time where we set up the song. Okay. Ryan was kind enough to learn a new song that I wrote called The Long Voyage, which is a poem I set by Malcolm Cowley and accompanied by Gillian Berkowitz on piano, who's been on the show before and we love her so much. Um, I wrote this because, as, as my listeners will know, you know, I've... I have very specific projects that I'm, like, gearing toward, and, you know, and I like using the podcast almost like deadlines. Well, just like deadlines. <laughs> and um, and um, I've been feeling a little stuck lately. I'm not afraid to, to admit that. And I've got some stuff that needs to happen very quickly. And um, I just wasn't having any fun. And so um, I had a teacher once who said, you know, if you're ever feeling stuck, just take a poem off the shelf and set it, and you'd be surprised what it unlocks. And um, so I found this poem... Um, as people know, I did a poem concert a couple of years ago, and it was just pretty awesome for me. And um, when I found this poem, and I was like, Why did I, how did I never know this poem before? It's beautiful. And, um, and so thusly, I, I wrote it very quickly, and um, I'm so glad that... Um, you know, and also, Ryan and I talked about what Ryan wanted to sing. And, um, <laughs> and, and like, you know, if you don't know Ryan's voice, you're about to, and it's, and it's such a treat. Because um, Ryan is a tenor. Uh, two with a capital T uh, that rhymes with P and <laughs> trouble. That's trouble. <laughs> Basically, you know, Ryan is trouble. Um, you know, but it's it, it's a great voice, and it's not something that um, that I get to write for every day. And um, we talked about different styles, and he mentioned he he mentioned power ballad at one point, and um, I was like, okay, well, there's an idea, and you know, I I have no pieces right now that call for that, so um, it was just kind of fortuitous, really, that I found a poem, and um, and I was able to set it in a way that I think uh, was very enjoyable for, for all. It's really lovely. Thank I, you. I love singing it. And Gillian, you. we both love it. it it's, well, thank you very much. I can't wait for your listeners to hear it. I know. It's, I'm excited. It's so pretty. Um, we like people to learn around here. So Malcolm Cowley was uh, born on August 24th, 1898. <laughs> the bells in the background. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he passed away in 1989. Uh, Malcolm Cowley was an American novelist, poet, literary critic, and journalist. There you go. <laughs> it's so ominous. I love it. <laughs> Malcolm Cowley. Remember, <laughs> remember Ryan's performance uh, will be available on SoundCloud and the individual sheet music on Noise Trade, both free downloads until the next episode. Uh, be sure to become a premium subscriber, a perfect investment for voice teachers, burgeoning musical theater writers, and my fellow Broadway nerds in general. Uh, be sure to follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbnew.com. Visit uh, Ryan's website, which is ryanbauer-walsh.com. Um, 
you're on all the the Twitter and the Facebook. I got all and the Twitters and the Facebooks. Great, and, and that's all on your website. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, everything should be there. Excellent. Uh, subscribe to, rate, review this podcast, and tell your friends all about it. Our next episode is Janet Crouppen, who's in If Then right now on Broadway, and she's also an accomplished singer-songwriter. Special thanks today to Peyton Royal at Website Lines, Stephanie Layton at Red Scandal Graphics, today's accompanist, Gillian Berkowitz, I love you, uh, True Voice Studios NYC for hosting us today, and last but not least, Ryan Bauer Walsh. Thank you for being on my show. This has been such a treat. It was really fun to get to hang out. With I'm you. glad. Let's. We, I hope we hang out more. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, from True Voice Studios NYC at Columbus Circle, this is Joel B. New <laughs> and Ryan Bauer Walsh <laughs> saying thank you for dropping by for something new. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>this season something new listeners can get a closer look with premium subscriptions for 2250 you will receive a digital sheet music copy of each song presented for $45 you will also receive mp3 piano accompaniment tracks and for $75 i throw in a one time transposition and audition ready cuts visit paypal.com and make your something new experience a premium one